Hello once again to all of you. Glad you're back and ready for the next dose of seeing how life works. Last time, we spoke of the fact that when you are open and accepting and allowing and eager for whatever your experience might be, it prevents fear. The reason why is because that open accepting state moves you out of, shall we say, the fear band, the the fear frequency band, or the victim band. Like, I am the victim of absolutely everything in the world and everybody in it and all the conditions and all the weather and all the germs and everything else. So as long as I think I'm a victim of everything, I'm naturally going to be closed because why wouldn't you if you actually thought everything out there had the potential to harm you? So nevertheless... By being open to what occurs in your life, you move out of the fear band into something else, into something obviously much better. I remember telling my kids when they were growing up that there's no geographical way to escape threat as long as you think you're threatened. I am reminded of in the 70s when desegregation was mandatory and school busing happened where they mixed up the city and they took kids from white neighborhoods and put them in predominantly black schools and vice versa. And in Denver, where we lived at the time, there was, of course, great concern about that by a lot of people. So there was called the white flight to the suburbs. I think about 70,000 kids were taken out of the public schools in Denver practically overnight, which of course put a huge burden on the suburban schools who suddenly had to do something with all this huge number of kids coming in unexpectedly. But more importantly, the mindset indicated that whatever it was that troubled you, you could just run away from. And I always wanted my children to know, oh no, you forgot that Wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go, your mindset goes right along with you. So there's no way to escape what frightens you or troubles you by running away. The only thing that does any good is to change your mind wherever you are. So not only does this openness prevent fear, it also allows good to come your way. In other words, a wall is a wall is a wall. If you've got one up because you think you're keeping danger out and also keeping people from seeing who you are, because that's a great concern to so many people, but it also blocks your good. Well, darn, that's not what we had in mind. We wanted to block out the bad stuff and somehow expect our good to flow to us. Well, That's not the way walls and dams work. They hold everything back. They keep everything out, good or bad. So what we want to do is to encourage openness, particularly openness with your fellow man so that you engage with people, which apparently is quickly becoming a lost art as everybody simply stares at a cell phone someplace. So anyway, just to give you a little example about how this works, I have a very dear friend whom I've known for a long, long time, and somehow there are two things that he must have come wired 
already to know about because it's been with him virtually all of his life, or at least as long as I've known him, which has been a very long time. There's great openness when he deals with people. There is some kind of an underlying presumption, whether these are strangers, whether they're people he works with, whether they're friends, that all is well that dealing with them is going to be ranging from satisfactory to excellent, there's just a presumption that relationships and relating with people is a very safe, fun thing to do. And that kind of openness with people pretty much denotes openness to whatever across the board. And as a result of that, he's practically like a magician. We think of a magician as somebody who can just conjure things up out of nowhere. Well, he has that capacity. And what that looks like, if you go back to his high school days, where children from all over the country, a few states at a time, had the opportunity to go back to Washington, D.C. and meet with the senators and congresspeople from your state and do a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes touring of how Washington works and so on. And they had had a little visit to the Supreme Court building. And somebody came out and asked him and a young man that he was with, would you all like to come back in and have a private interview with... Chief Justice Rehnquist, who was then the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, sure, just out of the blue for no apparent reason. His life unfolded, and this kind of thing happens not occasionally, all the time. I was with him some years ago, three of us were together, and we were flying to another city for a wedding. And we're standing in line a few yards from going down the into the airplane with our tickets in hand. And all of a sudden, a lady appears out of nowhere who was with the airline. And obviously, there were three of us together because we were talking to each other. And she said, you three come with me. No explanation. This is maybe a year and a half after 9-11. I thought, do we look suspicious? She said, I'm going to give you better seats with no explanation for why and handed us first-class tickets, put us back in line, and that was that. In other words, there's no apparent reason for that to have occurred. Why us? Why not any of all the other people that were in line? It's because he sends out goodwill and people are drawn to it even if they have no idea why or how. He often travels both for vacationing and for business, and hotel kinds of things like this happen all the time. Not too long ago, he was attending a business meeting in a little cottage that was an adjunct to a hotel, and the business meeting was happening in that cottage, which had been rented for that purpose. And this meeting was over around noon on Saturday, So he thought he would have his girlfriend join him for the rest of the weekend. So he went in to inquire about renting it for that Saturday night, since his company had had it for the two or three nights before that. And they said, oh, well, I'm sorry, but it's already rented. And he said, fine, no problem. I'll just take a room in the hotel. They said, okay. So he and the girlfriend went off for lunch, and they came back, and the lady ran out to meet him. 
which is a little weird, but it's kind of like it's indicative of life runs out to offer him what's good. Then she said, we have it all taken care of for you and took him up to the top floor to, took the two of them, to the presidential suite that had two bedrooms and a kitchen and a couple of bathrooms and a private veranda that went across the front of this suite. And she said, I hope this works for you and just charged him the normal price for a single room. I bet we could list for the next 10 hours experiences like that which are normal for him. And they could be normal for us if we would decide that it's safe for us to open up. And here's how this works. It's not so much that our good comes to us. I mean, that's what it looks like in the three-dimensional world. What it really is, keep remembering this, my outer life circumstances, and that includes upgrades on everything in life, are a mirror of my inner state of mind. So when I am in an open, allowing place, the world mirrors that. It, it comes close to me. It offers me things. And he's not some kind of a special person who gets this kind of special treatment from the universe. Everybody has that option. We have been too frightened up to this point or too uneducated about how life works to open up to it. Remember, the world is a mirror of your state of mind. So just to make that anchor in, notice what happens with a physical mirror if you walk up to it. The image in the mirror comes closer too. If you back up from the mirror, then the image in the mirror backs up. So if you move out toward the world, so to speak, and everything in it and the experiences in it and the emotional states in it in an open-hearted way, then how that's reflected is that you might say your good comes to you. That's what it looks like, just like in a mirror. If you go close, if you're open, in other words, if we're close to our lives, if we embrace it, then that reflection comes back to us. It's so important to get that if there's any problem that you're experiencing, whether it's lack of any kind or distress, whatever it might be, don't try to fix the outside. Don't try to fix the mirror. That's not smart. That's not a good use of your time. Turn around, look inward, and see where am I not being open and decide to change your mind. And watch these a-causal things. A-causal means without any apparent cause. Because this particular person does not have these things happen because he's demanding or feels entitled or is manipulative or difficult in any way. Quite the contrary. So, take note and watch all those things in the world that reflect your goodness when you claim your goodness come back to you. Just as A Course in Miracles provides brilliant written material for our contemplation, our films offer the auditory and visual counterparts to that. So it makes sense to use all parts of our brain in upgrading our habitual thinking. And this way, not only is it more effective, it's more fun. You will enjoy these no end, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.